You're listening to Thinking Outside the Vault, a podcast for community financial institutions, produced by Kasasa. So on this week's episode, we have Kasasa's VP of Retail Experience, Melissa Thinger. Melissa is a leadership coach with 25 years experience building high-performing human capital and retail experience solutions for financial institutions. Hi, Melissa. Hi there. How are you today? Good. How are you? I'm very excited to be here. Great. Uh, So for this episode, we wanted to pick your brain about the first steps involved in creating a foundation of a great retail experience for community financial institutions. And that starts with a defined mission. Why is that an important first step for CFIs? I'm so glad you asked. It's a a very overlooked step for community financial institutions. And it's important because it talks about who you are, what you stand for, what your values are, and it gives your entire staff a reason to believe that you serve a purpose in your community that is bigger than every individual person contributing. Have you seen examples of bad mission statements? I have. I've seen examples of bad mission statements. I've seen examples of mission statements that all sound very much alike Mm -hmm. and don't really set themselves apart. And I just think it is a great opportunity if you want to take a look at your mission statement and make sure that it is still relevant and, and accurate, it's a great time to do that and use it as an opportunity to rally your staff behind it. So what are some effects of having maybe a bad mission statement or a mission statement that's not clear? Having a bad mission statement or having no mission statement are, are, are both harmful to your institution because it leaves your frontline staff sort of wondering you know, what their purpose is, what they stand for, what are the things that create your values that guides their attitudes and their behaviors. So what are, you mentioned that we've all worked for companies where you know the mission statement is just like in a folder somewhere on your first day and you never see it again. Are there ways that CFIs can make sure that their mission statement is more uh, prevalent, I guess, yeah, in their ab- institution? Absolutely. I think that, um, you know, a lot of times there's a lot of bureaucracy, even with community financial institutions and their mission statements. Boards would like to get involved. Everyone wants to play a role. And that's fine. So who should be involved? in creating a mission statement? That's a great question. I think that um, as many people, you know, as makes sense, uh, I think it starts with leadership. I think it should always start there and it should be a top-down activity that happens at your institution. I think it's a great idea to put a steering committee together and get other people's opinions of of what that, that mission is. Does it matter like the language you use? I know in business a lot of times we get wrapped up in corporate jargon and we want it to sound nice because the mission statement will be on the website, maybe it'll be used as marketing collateral, and that can kind of numb it or not make it as impactful for frontline staff, I would imagine. Um, so are there tips you have to that to make it uh, to make the language something that actually um, excites and uh, evokes passion? Absolutely. I think that the mission is going to be you know, whatever it ends up being as a result of whatever process you have to go through at your institution. But you can always take your mission and pull out a battle cry or a rally cry or a shortened version of it that still gets the gist of it across. I worked for a company a while back and we had a very long mission statement. The company was over 130 years old and there uh, there were a lot of people who took part in establishing what that mission was. But we ended up with sort of a verse, um, actually a word, and it was an acronym that was I own it. 
and it was an acronym and it stood for very actionable things that the entire staff knew that they would get behind. Um, here at Kasasa, for example, we have a mission statement that you can find on our website, you can find it in employee books, but we also have a statement and that's win the war. And so at the end of the day, if you're searching for words and you can't figure out what we stand for or how we're supposed to behave and what our attitude is, you know that when the war is something that the entire company always rallies behind. And so even if you end up with a longer mission statement with maybe not everyone's ideal word choice, it's not a reason to you know, sort of throw your hands up in the air and say, okay, well, this is too long and we don't love it, so we're not gonna get behind it. It's an opportunity to maybe shorten it with a rally cry that everyone can get behind. Once you do have your mission statement and then maybe you have a shortened, you know, sort of rally cry or maybe you don't, whatever, whatever, wherever you end up, the next important thing though is to make sure that your attitudes and your behaviors actually match. Mm -hmm. And so what I do see often is, um, and this is common in a lot of mission statements, we talk about how we are going to serve our customers or our members and we're going to be their primary financial institution, a place that they trust and come to. And then when you call them, because that's what my team does, we'll call them to do mystery shops. We do about 6,000 a quarter. So we have a really good handle of whose attitudes and behaviors actually match missions or, or not. And when we have those calls, um, there are many times where there's a big mismatch. Sure. You know, the mission statement talks about being the prime, you know, prime financial institution and building trust. But when I call, they don't even ask me for my name. Sure. That's interesting. Mm, yeah. Do you guys always check the mission statement before you call institution? I check the mission statement when someone is telling me that they're having some concerns with training and or they're having concerns or questions about their scoring on their mystery shops or they're looking for a place to start mm -hmm. in offering a better retail experience. And so a lot of times I'll start with their mission because that tells me who they are or at least who they're putting out there that they are or they want to be. Mm -hmm. And those mismatches that I'll find when I call and interact with their frontline staff is probably one of the best places to start. That's interesting because I never thought about how critical it would be, but it sounds like it really is the cornerstone of everything you're going to do in regards to service. Absolutely, and it's just as important for your customers and your members as it is for the frontline staff who's trying to figure out how they're supposed to be behaving and acting in all these different types of scenarios. So a lot of CFIs uh, might think that they have a great retail experience already. Uh, how would you define what a great retail experience looks like? I think that a great retail experience starts with who you are and who you say you want to be. And that's why I always focus so much mm -hmm. on the mission. Um, and so if you're wanting to be you know, the, the prime financial institution for all of your account holders, then that means that you should probably do a great job of cross-selling. If you want to be the trusted financial institution that, that, that's out there, then your frontline staff should probably do a great job of building relationships and trust. Mm -hmm. And so I always start there to determine what kind of a retail experience they want to provide. Um, and then we, we work from there. There's a bunch of retail and service standards that you can put in place then that enhance I guess, you know, what, what you're trying to accomplish. Do you have any examples of those that you've seen work in the past? 
I do. Um, so a lot of institutions, you know, they, they want to do those things that I talked about, building trust. They want to be trustworthy and they want to be, um, you know, the go-to place for everything financial within their community. And so let's take one of those. So let's just talk about they want to be the go-to place. Mm -hmm. So if you want to be the go-to place, then within your conversations with clients and prospective clients, then we want to make sure that we're following some certain steps. So asking them for their name and using their name throughout the conversation, for example, would be one key point of service mm -hmm. that, I would, that I would point out. Um, and there's a lot of them. And what's most important is, is that they all match what you're trying to accomplish. And it's important that there's not probably more than, you know, 20 of them so that your frontline staff can keep track of where they are in that conversation. If you think about some of um, the great, let, let's look at some great retail experiences that are outside of our industry because sometimes it's easier to look at those mm -hmm. and take you know what we've learned or what we see there so if you take like a chick-fil-a for example they're one of my absolute favorites because they surprised and delighted their market with a fast food experience that was friendly and goes above and beyond right and so they shook the world of fast food by saying things like my pleasure and so there are simple things like that that you can do to mm -hmm. differentiate yourself within your own industry to provide exceptional service that make you stand out from your competitors nice i think one of the ones that we've talked about in the past uh that i really like is you've mentioned not pointing at things so if someone comes in and they're like hey where can i find this you ask someone to walk them over to it and you don't point and just say, oh, go over there. And I think that's really nice and that would set someone apart too. Yeah, absolutely. So a, a lot of times you'll see nicer department stores doing things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think we can learn learn a lot from them. Like why couldn't you go to a community financial institution where you're treated as well as you are at Nordstrom? There's yeah. just not any reason why you couldn't do that. And so I think that there are just some key things that really can set you apart and they're super easy to attain. Mm-hmm. You talk about the use of the name, you talk about not pointing, and you know, uh, Chick-fil-A's example um, of ending the conversation. Are there other common, I guess, trust triggers that you would recommend an institution start to use if they want to be the trusted institution? I do, and I think this one will appeal to a lot of um, you know, individuals who manage frontline staff, because sales has sort of this you know, bad connotation. A lot of times we hire people who don't want to do sales. Maybe that's why they came to work for your institution because they were at a big bank. Mm -hmm. They don't want to do sales and they don't want to meet quotas. And we're not about that either. And I think that there is a very small difference between providing exceptional service and sales. Mm -hmm. And if your service is that outstanding, people will give you their sales to the point where you don't have to feel like you're product pushing um, and things of that nature. I think that there's just an opportunity for frontline staff to understand that if you're not talking to someone about all of the great things that you have to offer, if you're not asking questions to understand what their needs are and how you might be able to meet them, and you're just doing what we all know as order taking, um, you know, those are things that can really set you apart. Hmm. You referenced Chick-fil-A and Nordstrom. Are there, uh, is there a brand or business that you aspire to be like in terms of service or you think is really nailing it? I think there's a lot of opportunity out there to do things different, right? And so Nordstrom and Chick-fil-A, um, well, Chick-fil-A in particular, they rocked their world and their industry because no one expected you know, service to that degree or at that level from a fast food company. 
And so I think sometimes offering a little bit of the unexpected is great. Now, I'm not saying that any of the things that I'm suggesting are the things that you should go do and prescribing <laughs> them for every institution because they're not. Everyone has to sort of figure out, you know, the recipe to come up with their own culture. Uh, Southwest Airlines is one of my absolute favorites because mm -hmm. I think that when you are happy at work and you can have a little bit of fun, mm -hmm. that that automatically you know, results in happier customers and members for, for y'all. And so I think that if you can invoke some fun, that would be something that wouldn't be necessarily expected from a financial institution. And that would be a place where if you felt like that matched your culture and what you were about, that would be one direction that I don't think anyone has really set foot in. That's a really interesting take. The idea that um, what makes exceptional service is going beyond what is expected. So understanding what would a consumer expect this interaction to be like when they come to the institution, mapping that out, and then seeing opportunities to really go above and beyond or make something a little bit different just so it is surprising and stands out in their mind. That's, that's an interesting take. I think there's also a way that you could surprise in a, in a not great way. And mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, people do come into financial institutions for very serious reasons, right? There was something that's changed in their family. Maybe there's been a death or something that's, you know, that's, that's serious in nature. And so I think that you have to tread carefully. You don't want to go overboard in one direction or another, but it is a chance to create a new image of yourself. Hmm. How much of that is something you create versus just hiring the right people? Like an innate thing that they bring to the team? That's like the, the, the chicken and the egg mm. question, right? Like which, <laughs> which one comes first? Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know that there's a right answer. I think they can happen together. Mm. So I think that it's up to leadership to sort of develop and set the path of the culture. The culture is going to be driven by the mission, which is then should then produce values that everyone adheres to. And so once you have those things in place, it's important that the leadership team actually does them and shows them off frequently. Um, it's not something that can just be rolled out as mm -hmm. an initiative. It's something that has to happen gradually. And then as you start hiring, uh, it, I've seen more and more often now where community financial institutions are actually hiring for culture fit instead of maybe some of the, the skills or past experience that was um, historically deemed necessary. So what are some things that local banks and credit unions can do right now to develop a focus mission and help improve their retail experience? I think examining and evaluating their current mission is a great first start. If it's something that they can um, evaluate and change, then maybe that's the direction you go, or maybe it's coming up with sort of your values or your battle cry, your shortened version that you can get everyone behind. That would be mm -hmm. the first thing that I would do. Uh, the second thing is, is I would go from values then. So if these are our top values, and again, you really would probably like to limit that to five or less so that people will remember them. Mm -hmm. Acronyms are great for that, if you can, <laughs> if you can figure that one out. Um, but having values that people can rally behind is, is important. And you know that's what people know that they are striving for in their attitudes and their, their behaviors and their, and their actions. I think that the third thing then would be for your leadership team to set some service criteria or standards and put those in place. And again, those match. And those are the things that we always do. 
And that's what becomes your culture. Mm -hmm. We always do it like this. We always greet people this quickly and in this manner. We always say goodbye like this. And we always thank them for their business in this way. And once you start doing those, that should allow you to gain some traction in building your culture. Nice. Uh, Well, thank you so much, Melissa, for joining us today. That wraps up this episode of Thinking Outside the Vault. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions about this episode or topics you'd like us to tackle in future episodes, please email us at social at casasa.com.